If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. We are the brothers, both DMs and players. I'm the one that does a make em up tune on the old ukulele once in a while, Jordan. <laughs> and I'm the one who can't keep a beat to save Jordan's life, Travis. And I wish this weren't a scenario where my life was on the line. Eh, it happens. Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast, jamming you sweet tunes with magical loot for incredible games. Today, we are talking about bards, those jammy, inspiring folk. And I do love me a bard. Bards can be pretty incredible. I think they can also fall into the category of hated among tables. Easily. I was once one of those. Like, bards are a really divisive class, I think, for a lot of people. It was easy for me to blow it off when I first started playing as something that I just wasn't interested in. Yeah. Like, oh, nah, I want to be a fighter, a warrior, a head chopper, a spell slinger. Literally anything else. <laughs> yeah. But... I think bards can be really friggin' sweet if you take the time to flesh them out and give them a lot more going on than just being that that character that kind of jams on a, you know, jams a lick on a guitar and it's just like, <laughs> wah, and then like cast some weird spell. The loot, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And don't, you don't really connect how the music makes the magic. And actually, I think there was a incredible writer that had a, a really great quote about the power of bards. Yeah, Alan Moore says, you piss off a bard and forget about putting a curse on you. He might put a satire on you. And if he was a skillful bard, he puts a satire on you. It destroys you in the eyes of your community. It shows you up as ridiculous, pathetic, worthless in the eyes of your family, in the eyes of your children, in the eyes of yourself. And if it's a particularly good bard and he's written a particularly good satire, then 300 years after you're dead, people are still going to be laughing at what a twat you were. <laughs> Yeah. That's power. That is. If Alan Moore didn't immediately jump to mind, he is the writer of V for Vendetta and Watchmen and Swamp Thing and a million other amazing works. He knows his stuff. He knows his bards. And I have a guest character that I love. It just turned into a favorite. Like I was never huge on bards myself. And I created one and I started playing in this in this one uh, kind of side game. And very quickly and sneakily became one of my favorites. I just liked the concept because it had elements in it that I could play both in combat and in role-playing and lots of other areas and aspects of a fully fleshed-out bard. And I took some time to actually create him. And in the end, he was actually a, kind of a goblin John Stewart <laughs> who was angry at an usurper in his clan and so did a five nights a week news update on <laughs> so he was a he was a college of satire bard awesome late night talk show hosts are definitely the bards of our day <laughs> like they <laughs> totally sway the minds yeah so the loose definition and for people that are new to bards they're described typically as singers poets songwriters which is why a lot of first bards end up pulling out classic rock videos so i'm not knocking that play style you know if if you dig pulling up YouTube videos for combat of Thunderstruck or whatever, ACDC before you go into combat, that's fine. But that's kind of 
the rudimentary idea of what a bard is. It's just that's what your initial image is. It's like, oh, I've got a guitar. Let me jam out while we go into combat. But it's kind of like stage one, and bards can be a lot more than that. And it has the potential to derail whatever scene you're kind of trying to create. So be careful with that. Yeah, like as soon as you everyone rolls initiative and you're like, hold on, let me just pull up my phone. And then everyone's kind of waiting for that. And then a YouTube ad plays. Is your vacuum sucky? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, oh, okay, just just like five more five more seconds on this ad, and then and then we'll get to the thunderstruck. Oh no, it's fire in the flames oh, again. Oh my phone, my phone's dead. Ah oh, shit. Okay, but okay, wait, bring here up. comes the guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> I think for people playing. Uh, bards, there's always this expectation that you have to be really charismatic, that you have to be musical of some sort. And I think that's why YouTube ads get played while you're trying to pull <laughs> up music is is just because there's there's that expectation that isn't there for the rest of the classes. Like yeah. if you play a barbarian, you don't have to know how to actually swing a sword to describe what's happening. You don't have to get up and act out your fighting style. Exactly. But with role playing, you do have to be that charismatic person because you're role playing that. Yeah. So there's a little bit of an extra challenge when it comes to playing a bard. I think if you're supporting someone playing a bard as another member of the party, I think it can really help to bring out the potential of that bard by by not calling them on that and forcing them to say something in character that's epic, but just kind of allowing them to say something like, I recite a tale of heroes that came before in a similar situation and my energy rises and I pass by every party member reciting a passage that's significant to them. By the end, I'm standing tall in front of the group and the energy created is unstoppable. Like, I think that's more powerful than me trying to sit here and say, all right, the tale of Vadric the Excellent <laughs> was one where he was super strong and he fought bravely. <laughs> that's, that's bad. Well, and that inspirational speech that you just gave sounded a little bit like you prepared for it, had you not? I did. Okay. I'm a that's, cheater. I think that's the whole point here, <laughs> is that we can't be charismatic on the spot. Yeah. We have to put some thought into how we're going to play bards. So we're going to start with Archives of the Ancients, where we talk about where bards originally come from because there's actually a shit ton of lore there that's really cool. Absolutely. So much more than we can dive into here, but we'll dip our toes into it. <laughs> Just do a little dip, <laughs> a little side dip. Then we'll do Strategy Stateroom as our second segment, which approaches a lot of different ways to roleplay a bard, like we're saying that don't involve a loot. Absolutely. And then we're going to finish off with Kinship Camp with a few concepts that we built and prepared for one another. Because character building is awesome. And fun. Yeah. And I'll use any excuse I have <laughs> to, to make another one. Okay, on to the next segment. This is the Archives of the Ancients, where knowledge is unearthed to add wild insights to our world. Okay, so let's start with the history of bards and where they actually came from. Real world history we're talking about. Yeah, like... Bards were a thing, if you didn't know. Um, <laughs> bards originally come from Irish, Scottish, and Welsh histories as keepers and orators of lore and history. You might remember uh, from, we had uh, the law keeper, the law speaker in our one of our past episodes in Icelandic history, and bards were kind of similar in the sense that they were 
the people that remembered and told stories as a part of their profession. They kept history alive. So bards, the whole idea about like bard colleges, yeah. bards really did go to college. Hmm. There were bard colleges that uh, took more schooling than most modern doctors get. <laughs> so they were super pros. Oh, yeah. They knew their tale. They did not, like, this was not a thing that you kind of did as a side hustle. You were not a side hustle bard. You dedicated more than 12 years to learn to recite stories verbatim because it was understood that playing the telephone game when it came to important family histories was not a good thing to do. So you had to learn more than 350 stories, Wow, hundreds of poems by the time you were done your college training that's a good point eh because that's where all of the monsters of DD come from is just people that saw a goat cough and then it turned into a <laughs> dragon <laughs> i'm saying the telephone game of oh like, yeah you have to recite the stories word by word well that's word. the whole where like mermaids came from like everyone yeah yeah the fish half a fish and a woman on a rock yeah the whole <laughs> yeah it just it just spiraled yeah. via telephone game and leviathans actually the other one that i heard uh, a little while ago, was where krakens and sea monsters came from, is that uh, whales, when they mate, flip upside down. And so male whales just have this big pink dick sticking above the... Great. Yeah. And then sailors saw that and were just like, oh my God, you would not believe the otherworldly shit that I've seen. Oh no. <laughs> That's horrific. That's More where horrific. it came from. <laughs> I would rather see a kraken. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> they made uh, up a nicer reality. Yeah. <laughs> Krakens were the, the sunny side of that story. <laughs> um, so, yeah, essentially that bards were the, the caretakers of these stories. Another really interesting fact about bards is that during their training, they would actually use sensory deprivation. They were among the first recorded to use sensory deprivation to actually like lock in these stories so they would memorize in complete and total darkness as a way to really hyper focus wow. on the memorization of these stories no distractions there yeah they were gnarly bards couldn't exist today is what you're saying no because we no. all have phones <laughs> <laughs> we have attention spans yeah. that are very short another really cool thing was that irish bards carried sticks or branches with bells on it and you would get a different colored stick silver bronze or gold stick who doesn't want that <laughs> stick with bells on it <laughs> okay it sounds silly but it's actually really cool because the application of such was when they strutted into a room and you heard the bells so crowded uh, long haul bard walks in hmm. And all of their bells start to jingle, jingle. jingle. Yeah. and the more bells you hear, like this absolute din of bells, <laughs> you were like, oh shit, I better shut the fuck up because this person is about to drop some knowledge. Huh. Yeah. It's a cacophony of bells. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> How many was the max? Do you know? I don't know. I'm sure it was pretty intense because like... Bellbard. Yeah. <laughs> Bellbard. There's, there's another concept. And then kind of finally, you, if you were a lord, you would patron a bard. And you would commission them to create stories okay. around your family history. However, like Alan Moore kind of alluded to, if you didn't pay that bastard, 
he would mess up your family wow. history. If you wanted a eulogy and you didn't pay for that eulogy properly, all of a sudden that eulogy has a very different vibe to it. Jeez. <laughs> that's more of a satire. So you really didn't want to get on the wrong side. Yeah. Wow. They were like they were like the the uh, verbal gunslingers of their times. <laughs> they would just yeah. roam around and tell stories. So you're saying that they're not the goofy minstrels that most of us think of them as? That people just like brush off and yeah, call. basically yeah, like they they're they're friggin' smart. They're really well versed. Yeah, they and this is kind of where that charisma came from. And they had memories of a steel trap. Like you didn't mess with those bastards. So they're almost like diving into the wizard category. At least as far as our stereotypes go, is like they're diving into being super knowledgeable and well read. So you could almost play them more scholarly. Absolutely. And they were travelers. So like that's I I think also where the jack of all trades kind of came from yeah. is that that way that bards just had to be good at everything and they were super smart and well educated and all of that. Plus they knew how to defend themselves if they had to because yeah, they were travelers and they would be put in dangerous hmm. situations all the time. Pretty cool. Yeah. Bards kind of had a druidic sense to them. In the same way that druids would be nature-based protectors of the realm, bards were considered more the druids and protectors of the written world and histories, and and they almost considered that like a holy ability, very similar to, say, like a cleric or a druid. They were protectors of this craft. Interesting. And so they were tied right into the lore of druids as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. There's actually some interesting tidbits to pull from the history of the class in Dungeons and Dragons too, and kind of the evolution of it through each edition. That first edition seemed pretty confusing when I was first reading it until I was hearing you talk about all this druidic connections, because the theme of the first edition bard was a druidic lore master, and you couldn't actually take a level in it until you were level five in both fighter and thief, and then you could start training under a druid to become a bard. Holy shit. So, so it was like elite class. You had three classes that all contributed, and you had to be at least level 10 before you could even consider starting to become a bard. Yeah, because bards know their shit. Huh. <laughs> They're not just level ones. Um, and then second edition, they became less specific as far as all that bardic training and your prerequisites. They were a cultural storyteller. And this is where they started to become a jack-of-all-trades. Bard was actually under the rogue tree in second edition. And they could cast almost as well as a wizard. They could fight well and had a lot of skills. Then you get into the third edition where they become that wandering minstrel that we think of today. <laughs> the entertainer. Sometimes they had the leader so bent to them. Yeah, that's entirely what I was just talking about is basically the the bards. Like they have every element of what bards were in those first three versions of yeah, it dips into all of that real world history. And then we start picturing them as this traveling fancy pants with a with a loot, <laughs> with the poofy pants. And uh, so, yeah, in that third edition, there were still jacks of all trades and their magic no longer needed a spell book. Then in the fourth edition, they kind of go back to that respected and revered experts. They were thought of more of more as a leader, a party leader. They still had tons of skills. And then, of course, 5th edition, which we're playing now, they were knowledgeable travelers that know the magic of sound. And they basically kind of became, I don't know where that really took that shift. I suppose it was a slow shift over the last five versions of Bards and D&D. &D. But now we've kind of arrived 
at the expectation of every bard to basically be Dandelion from The Witcher. Yeah, almost. Who's just like a handsome, charismatic... He's kind of a ladies' man somehow, even though (laughs) that's a very go-to personality for a bard. Yeah. Bards can be leaders. They're powerful in every and any way that you want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. They're tacticians, historians. They can sway minds and hearts of people very carefully and powerfully through entertainment. Absolutely. Like having power over crowds is huge. And I should say not necessarily entertainment, but art. And that is what art has always done. A bard isn't necessarily a musician. It's just an artist that has a way of expressing themselves through whatever their art might be. And that is how governments get toppled. Yeah. In a lot of real world cases is through art. Yeah. So the core of the class is that bards are keepers of tradition and lore, and they do so in an entertaining, charismatic way. And there's a lot of simple concepts that you can use for how a bard carries on traditions and lore and tells stories through all kinds of avenues. Yeah, absolutely. So let's. All right. So let's move on to the strategy stateroom where we'll try to put a bit more of this into actual practice. Yeah. (laughs) Make it usable, rather than just (laughs) us gabbing. Prostolatizing. This is the Strategy Stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. We wanted to go through how we thought it made sense to build a bard, and here's a few steps to kind of make sense of it. The first one being just come up with a a cool background for your bard, not necessarily a gimmick, you know, like when the player comes to the DM and is just like, hey, can my butt be a musical instrument that I can use? Because that's not going to play itself out over a long period of time. That's going to be a one note, Johnny. (laughs) The second point being putting those gimmicks, and this is how we can kind of test our own gimmicks and our own concepts, is putting that gimmick or your bard through the ringer. And then the final part is just kind of prepping inspiration. So when your bard does go into their into their shtick, whatever that might eventually be, that you have something kind of prepped for it. And we'll go through each one of these points. So 5th edition has a part of building a character called the backgrounds, and it provides you with all these ideas for getting started with your character. And I think with a bard, it's super easy to just go down the entertainer road when there's so many more options that can lend to interesting bards. Well, and it's logical that you would choose the entertainer because if you're creating a bard, you might have already kind of had that idea in your head that you're going to be a person that plays that instrument. And so entertainer is just the first and most logical step. naturally fits. But if you choose some different backgrounds, they add a lot more depth to a bard and start getting those wheels rolling. The literal first background in the book is acolyte the first one that comes to my mind would be like a spokesperson the the person that is trying to gain kind of leverage within a community for either a noble who's running for office or a church or something like that you could be like a spokesperson specifically for a religion since that's what acolytes are all about well i mean it certainly acolytes could be acolytes of really anybody what if yeah, I would forget what acolyte actually means. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the book, it definitely lends itself more towards a religious scholar. Yeah. You could uh, be one of those fervorous religious <laughs> zealots that just yells on the corner. 
Ooh, I like that. Gets yeah. on a box and uh, is really good at those <laughs> passionate nonsense speeches. Have you heard the good word of the foot plan? <laughs> I think you could take it the one step further. I like the doomsdayer. Yeah, always talking about end times are coming. Yeah. <laughs> that could inspire your allies and seriously yeah, what demoralize you, your enemies. You're just running into battle and you're like, doom your end days are here <laughs> freaking the enemy out and then your your allies are just like yeah he's a little bit nuts but he's really helpful if you can find a reason to get off the corner <laughs> of course <laughs> to start your adventure what about uh what about a criminal a criminal bard could definitely be a distraction if that's how they committed their crimes with people before is they distracted and their their buddies stole that could be kind of cool because then you don't actually actually have to commit a lot of crimes but you could have the expectation that your party would. And if they don't, then that's a role-playing opportunity. Hmm. What about a criminal that had knowledge, just like that kind of lore keeper, but they kept lore of all criminal activity? So they were like the linchpin to everything, all the criminal activity in the city. So they had that, uh, yeah, that kind of knowledge. So they start out with a lot of knowledge that the rest of the party would would want to get from them kind of thing potentially or yeah. at least have like any kind of your dm might give you advantage on knowledge checks to be like have i heard of this particular criminal that we're after yeah and do i know the deeds that they were that yeah had, that's true had you, been done you know the all of the legends of criminals yeah absolutely how about uh let's just pick another one how about folk hero a folk hero bard could create personal legends for party members easily yeah or themselves they could, oh, there you go. So the folk hero bard isn't actually much of a folk hero, but is so convincing and charismatic that they make up all kinds of legends about themselves as to kind of pump that up. So they're just making, they're using their charisma to make up a lot of lies. And I mean, <laughs> it sounds a little bit more like a criminal at this point. <laughs> yeah. Or could you know could wander into towns before some groups and you know they're sitting there trying to pump up the the rest of the group so there you've got that inspiration side of things how about the hermit interesting a hermit but i think that you could have them be an artist one of those kinds of artists that kind of spends a lot of time by themselves crafting something incredible that tells stories like tapestries or clothing or Small carvings. Yeah, they could be working on a blanket that has, like, they've intricately woven their own story into. Yeah, and you could actually play a bard of few words. That'd be cool. Yeah, if, like, your one character's prized possession after a battle, you used, you know, needlepoint, basically, to make scenes depicting your own life. Yeah. And your party's life. Your uh, party's HQ could be covered in badass tapestries. <laughs> I I got I went to like Granny's quilts. Like <laughs> every every square has another story of brave 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 Sir Robin. You could definitely just play your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> She's a bard. Okay, um, soldier. How would you play a soldier bard? I think soldiers actually, in my mind, lend themselves pretty well to bards. It's kind of weird, but you can have them directing troops on battlefields, keeping time. Real armies had people that played trumpet to do just that. You could work in the lore of being historians with 
knowing battle tactics and communicating that via music. Absolutely. It, it, that one does require some pre-planning and actually understanding some battle tactics. But even if you had a, a couple or a few that you went between. So that's where some of those abilities would actually come from, is the ability to cast, say, like a buff spell would have that element to it of, yeah, I'm like directing the battlefield. And in that way, you've just basically granted your you know advantage like bards do on certain checks i wonder if you you could actually play a bard that's a leader without restricting your party's choices as much exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so they can still do what they want but you're you're not actually telling them where to go on the battlefield but you're yeah. giving them advantage on some of their checks for sure which means that you're you're helping them and you're directing them and that's just part of the the flavor i like that obviously your party has to be cool with it too but what about urchin Urchin is probably my favorite background. <laughs> I think it works for everything. I don't know why I love it so much. So give me a pitch on an urchin bard. Well, I recently watched Kubo and the Two Strings, and I thought that that was the perfect urchin bard. He had come from a cave, lived with his mother. Totally. And he went into town every day, and he told these really <laughs> cool stories with his little lute and his... Uh, his little paper figures that he would magically make move around. and Could also work for the hermit. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Comes into town and busks. Yeah. Performs. That totally works. Cool. So, I don't know. I, I would say bards can... You can use any background with a bard and have it influence a lot more than just a simple, floofy-pantsed, colorful, charismatic bard. Because, you know, if you did that Kubo and the Two Strings style bard they wouldn't have to necessarily be charismatic they wouldn't necessarily have to fall into all the same traps that i think bards always do so after coming up with one of these concepts we got to work on it a little bit more yeah 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 and i think the trick to doing so is really just putting it through the ringer looking at it from all angles and i i think what i mean by this is we really have to take that bard concept so like we can take one of the ones that we just came up with and look at it from both the role-playing aspect and from the combat aspect. Because, yeah, not all bard concepts and gimmicks really hold up in both capacities. So, you know, you, you sure, you come up with a cool idea as to how a bardic ability plays out in combat, but then it never comes up in role-play. Yeah, and you just, you're the quiet bard all of a sudden? Yeah, and I think <laughs> where you have a good bard gimmick or concept comes from being able to see that play out in both scenarios and always being able to use it in one way or another. So Doomsdayer. Yeah. Yeah, you wanna Because that's fun. You wanna do the Doomsdayer. <laughs> if we had kind of the corner yeller doomsdayer prophet kind of person, should we give him a god? Well, let's just go with one of the basic ones of the D D Pantheon, which is Paylor, God of the Sun. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Paylor works. Simple. I think that uh, in role play, you can just connect characters, other characters' actions to the virtues of Paylor. Yeah, I think you could almost be a cleric of Paylor at this point, because we're kind of like dipping into both. Yeah. But not just clerics need to be into certain gods. And not only clerics worship gods. Exactly. So now you've got a bard that worships Paylor that talks about or connects all of their companions' behaviors to the virtues of their own god. And yeah, I mean, you could 
simply at the table, you just have a list of some of those virtues. Yeah. You just do a little research on Paylor and be like, yeah, he digs this. He doesn't, uh, you know, and now you have a list that every single time you're like, ah, Paylor smiles upon you. (laughs) And so that right there is something you could do to grant advantage as a part of a bardic buff. Yeah, that bardic inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anytime you notice uh, you notice someone do something you like, exemplifies Paylor, that'd be good, too. Yeah. Because it would encourage other players to think about your player's perspective in order to get your bardic inspiration. Totally. Now you've got it coming from a, a number of different, yeah, areas. And also, if you were a doomsdayer of Paylor... Which doesn't sound very congruous <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud. Well, neither do some real things out there. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe your character's unique take on Paylor is yeah. that he's going to bring about the end of <laughs> end of the world. Anyways, you could really exemplify that in your character's actions also. So now you're a bard that doesn't really believe that there's any permanence to the world. And so you are rather brave, Bard, in doing so, because, heck, you're probably going to die next. (laughs) And speaking of which, that would also be a lot of fun to play a Bard who keeps singing and talking about the end times, just like the Mayan calendar thing. You know, there's always just a minor misadjustment or a minor miscalculation (laughs) to the actual end times. So you're constantly like, it's coming next week. And then when you come back to play next week, have the, your date chosen? Yeah, how you? <laughs> and then that morning, it's just like, well, uh, this is why this was wrong, but I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely got it this time. Yeah, and that could be a lot of fun yeah. to to play, uh, kind of a recurring. And that's yeah. So now that gimmick is has more depth, and it has a little bit more improvement there. So the other side of things, though, is the combat. So how would basically a doomsday bard play that out in combat? <laughs> As a doomsday bard, you got to have some cool stuff to say because that's where your power is coming from, invoking kind of your weird, overly intense belief about your god. Yeah, but similar to being charismatic, you can't just be charismatic. Like if you're not naturally a charismatic person, you can't come up with that on the spot. Are you prepared to do that on the spot? Well, I don't think it takes that much prep, so give me five. We'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there's a really cool tool that I like to use for bards that doesn't have anything to do with them, but it's awesome. <laughs> it's called Inspirobot, and some guys put together an AI that uh, creates inspirational quotes. And so using those quotes that don't normally make any sense, for example, <laughs> limited talent disintegrates limitedly. Or if someone tells you that you can never educate someone, prove them wrong. <laughs> they almost sound real. It's just yeah. about the the structure of them. So if you use those and you put in some words related to whatever you're doing, I think that that creates some cool phrases for bards. That was honestly pretty quick that you were able to do that. I had never heard of Inspirobot <laughs> before. It was pretty good. So, yeah, inspirobot.me. We'll put a link in the show notes. Here's some that I got for a doomsdayer of Paylor that you could use when you're casting spells or you're demoralizing your enemies. Can I can I do the first one? Absolutely. Rejoice, for your soul will be cleansed by the righteous. There you go. 
See, that sounds like it comes from some scripture. <laughs> Stand tall before the light. Do not bow to those who work from shadows. Wow, that's good. I like that. <laughs> well, what about actually applying these to real bardic abilities that you would use in combat? Yeah, absolutely. So what? What are you thinking? Well, honestly, any of these work for like half of half, if not more of the bard's abilities. I'm thinking cutting words. So your cutting words could be something like that when you are running in. So for those of you unfamiliar, cutting words, basically you cut away at an enemy's any bonuses that they get. So essentially, you're just using your abilities to counter their abilities. But it's in the phrasing of cutting words, you can essentially use one of these lines to call out to your enemies and like, the end is nigh, your fight is worthless. Yeah, you've got tons of spells like vicious mockery. Dissonant whispers, that one's juicy. <laughs> you could totally add something uh, just end timesy to dissonant whispers. Absolutely. Laugh at your own demise, for it shall come just as swiftly as if you did not. Damn. <laughs> oh, that's a good... <laughs> I actually made that one. Uh, that could be for dissonant whispers, but I actually had Tasha's hideous laughter in mind. Hell yeah. The one where you make somebody uncontrollably laugh. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I don't like that. That's horrifying. That's a doomsday, man. Because if they don't make the save, then they actually start laughing. <laughs> yeah. God Damn it, that's messed. And this was just with a little bit of prep. Fleshing out cool spells and attacks as a bard is doable. Cool. So the final point is exactly that. Prep some bardic inspiration for when it's needed. This just kind of fits with our whole player episode, which is before you walk into a combat or you even walk start the game, D&D has a DM spend hours prepping sometimes sometimes days yeah. and <laughs> yeah. players can can take 10 minutes before a game do a little bit of their own prep come up with some of these if you're playing the doomsday or bard you can sit down and come up with a little bit of prep around yeah this is some of the the crazy heinous shit that i'm gonna say in this game yeah i'm yeah. gonna quickly jot it down it's gonna stay in character for me if you don't walk in prepped you're going to end up, and this is how you always hear, like, the DM throws it to the player to say, like, okay, uh, you're going you're gonna to buff your, your allies. How do you do that? And then somebody just sits there blankly for a moment and goes, Some, Get him. Yeah. <laughs> Go it's either going to be a em. pop culture reference or it's just going to be a vague, like, yay, team. Unless you're way <laughs> more talented than us, then bravo. But this yeah. isn't for you. <laughs> That's really where this comes from, is just sit down and think about how your bard how that actually plays out in combat, in role-playing. How do they use their abilities? Maybe they do carry a loot, but they're, they strum once for dramatic effect, and then they give you a really gnarly phrase that you know eats away at your, your resolve. You could even make a custom phrase for every ally of yours. That wouldn't take an incredibly long time, but then, yeah, it feels like you're actually talking to the characters. So you could have a bard that introduces the party kind of like uh, somebody would introduce Daenerys Targaryen in Game of Thrones with this long honorific title. Yeah, just you know, a you, slew of accomplishments. Yeah, like you are the the harbinger of the party itself and boost uh, their intimidation or persuasion roles. Yeah, and that'd be cool to have a growing list of your party members' deeds. 
Yeah, like if I were DMing, I would probably grant advantage on any kind of charisma check when your entire party walked into a tavern, but the the bard went in beforehand and said, let me present the, <laughs> you know, everyone at the tavern would be like, holy shit, these folks are serious. Yeah, kind of like that bell and a stick concept from the real bards. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. I think I ended up reading about this one, so I'm not going to take credit for it, but <laughs> this is just, I laughed at this concept. A bard that has a magic baby. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Follow me here. Okay. A baby in combat is inspiring to your allies because they don't want the baby to get killed. Because it's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and enemies are either morally opposed to attacking <laughs> or are intimidated by the screaming or just intimidated by the psycho <laughs> that brings a baby <laughs> into combat. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. So Keep that baby safe. There's a lot of different approaches that I think you could take with a bard. So let's move on to our final segment uh, where we're actually going to flash out a bard. All right. This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventures around the safety of the fire. So in this segment we are going to pitch each other some character concepts that we have prepared. In this exercise, we kind of both took to figuring out how their bardic abilities played out both in combat and roleplay scenarios, just like we did in the last segment. Shall I, may I do the honors? Go, Go first. For it. Get started. Okay. So my character concept is going to be a writer who is documenting the lives and the adventures of the party. They consider themselves to not really be the heroic type or the adventurous type, but in seeing and meeting the party for the first time was so inspired to document their adventurous lives that they follow them around. They feel like their quests need some kind of documentation or lore keeping. They think the individuals of the party are so incredible that they're just their biggest fan. Yeah, that's fun to role play and fun for the other players because it's making it about them. And you you can have a lot of fun being that like almost a sidekick. But of course, when combat breaks out, you have to get in there and get involved because it's about everyone surviving. Yeah, the way I kind of approach role playing as this character is you could just call out the cool stuff that the party does all the time. So in, you know, say you are trying to get information in a tavern, your your person, your character is actually getting in on and granting inspiration to all of these role play scenarios by, you know, the, the party barbarian is trying to get information out of the bouncer at this tavern. You walk up and your bard says, do you know who this person is? This person slaughtered the basilisk of the dripping caves or whatever hmm. the case may be. You could even like have little pamphlets of stories to hand out <laughs> to NPCs. I think that would add weight to it. It's yeah. like, read this tale. Yeah, read this tale of their their adventures. Yeah. yeah, you could take notes like in character and out of character, take notes on each of the character's greatest moments 
and their biggest victories and talk to them and speak to what your character saw in character in that moment. Yeah. And relay that back in any time during playing that character. So then I stopped and I said, okay, we're going to take this to the combat side. So how does this play out in combat? So before casting spells, you could recount, again, those heroic deeds to your party members. When you're trying to grant them an inspiration die, buff them up in some buff way, them up with some kind of advantage, you could tell them about that time that they almost died last time. Say, you've been through worse. Get up. Fight harder. You came back from the brink of death. Yeah. You were unfrozen by a basilisk. <laughs> I really like the idea of narrating like this writer who is constantly kind of like speaking to themselves in an effort to memorize what they're seeing and what they're doing so they can write it into their novel later. Okay, yeah. So, so you're almost narrating the combat as it's taking place. Exactly. That's exactly. Cool. Yeah. So the this party's rogue is sneaking around to try and get a flank on somebody. They're saying you know, Magarith snuck silently around the enemy in order to stab it in the back. So you're kind of throwing these dramatic flair onto yeah. everything that the rest of the party does. Nice. You, the, could do, you could do a lot with that, yeah. Yeah. And I even prepped a, uh, a little quote. So again, if you prep the kind of cool stuff that your bard can say in combat or even out of combat, but I was thinking for inspiration... You know, just one of the many lines that you could kind of pre-prepare. I am writing the story of your deeds, and that story is not a tragedy. Prevail. <laughs> nice. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. So that's my writer. Awesome. What do you got? My concept was around being frightening and unpredictable, <laughs> because okay. I think that's just awesome. Um, I was learning a little bit about Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know his deal, but he wasn't actually much of a killer. I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. He focused more on his intimidation to demoralize his enemies before his ship even got there. When he did get there, he'd do stuff like light these, I don't know exactly what it was. I've seen different depictions, but he'd light something on fire in and around his beard and his face. And that would create this smoky cloud that you'd see Blackbeard's eyes come through and he walks out of this cloud and he's the demon walking towards you boarding your ship and good god i'm out yeah i'm laying down i now know what to do with the ever smoking bottle <laughs> yes there you go just hold it in your mouth yeah <laughs> put it down your shirt you can take inspiration from interesting rituals that take place all over the world like for example the haka rituals of the new zealand traditions the core concepts of them are about intimidation and just hell yeah amping up your own group the rugby team performs it at the beginning of every match and it's really cool to watch check it out that's cool yeah totally but yeah if you just take the idea behind that i think that yeah that can make for powerful movements in game totally like when you're in the middle of combat yeah you're you're like throwing menacing faces like i love the in in the haka yeah yeah they're all all about like really quick movements and really powerful stances and things like that yeah so all you have to do is really describe that. Mm -hmm. In role play, the way that I've seen Blackbeard depicted is that he was a pretty reasonable guy other than when he was being intimidating. So you could almost have like two personas that a bard would do on purpose. It's not like some kind of split personality thing. It's like they are intentionally creating two personas, one that's very reasonable, well-spoken, calm, collected. And then when it's time to 
perform in some way, whether it be persuasion or intimidation, it's like then they put on the mask of hundred <laughs> percent. And it could even be a mask. Right? <laughs> uh, my mind immediately went to those ridiculous hats that have hair that goes with them. <laughs> so <laughs> you could have that in your bag and you're like, yeah. all right, time to be this person. Yeah. And now you're just an absolute freak show of a character in combat. Yeah. And, and then, of course, yeah, this one could be a musician, but we're not going to use a regular instrument. I found the death whistle. <laughs> which is amazing definitely fits with the character that you were already creating <laughs> yeah. so in the 1990s brief history in mexico city scientists found an ancient aztec temple with the remains of a human in it the human was beheaded with its arms crossed over its chest and had small objects in each hand these small objects were little whistles that came to be known as death whistles because of the insane screeching like it sounds like somebody or something giving out its final just powerful scream and it's because of the way that the whistle's designed good lord it's horrific to hear and you can hear people that have tried to recreate them and play them if you look them up on youtube should we throw should we throw the sound effect in here <laughs> or is know. that too freaking awful it might be too unsettling it's oh, like, yeah no, maybe okay. i'll give it a quick i don't even know if we should throw it in here go look it up on youtube <laughs> yeah we don't want people driving and listening to this, like, crashing their car or something. But imagine that, like, getting off, like, you're all sneaking up to an enemy. Imagine just, like, blasting that and then... Hell no. Running in hot. Oh, my God. Oh, that'd be great. It could be used in so many situations. Though. Or just, you know, when when stealth is broken, like, when the party is sneaking up yeah. and you're like, uh-oh, game's up. You know, DMs like roll initiative and you're like, the first thing I do is toot this death whistle <laughs> to death. Toot. Toot. That's the right, boop, boop. right word to describe a death whistle. <laughs> Let me give it a toot. So there you go. Yeah, there's a... I dig it. Frightened bard. Well, we did a little uh, digging on Reddit too. And man, there's some good concepts. Absolutely. That other people have come up with. One of the ones that I found trying to go the opposite direction of typical bards and like exact polar opposite. Reddit user Vantrin went with, I'm going to quote the actual post here, a calm, dark-clothed, asexual bard that whistled methodically. And I thought that was kind of cool because like you've got somebody that is just placid all the time, unsettlingly so. Yeah, for sure. And like just kind of one of those lilting whistles that has think of the character from kill bill yeah the <laughs> like something like that would be pretty unsettling in either regard i even liked the note of the the asexual nature of that character in that bards are usually like these sexy charismatic and they're trying to they bang hit on everyone yeah. yeah and so what if that character just showed no interest in anyone and you couldn't discern what their motivations were yeah they were just this unsettling bard i thought that was pretty cool absolutely that could create for some tense moments for yeah. sure another one was made by uh, reddit user grumbies a tiefling bard who's basically like a jester and is in their work persona a tailor and they collect patches and representations of the stories of the people that she's met. 
Okay. You've got very similar to bardic lore keepers and where their, you know, their real world history came from. You've got a bard that makes clothes with patches of everyone's story. And each patch represents some kind of story that could be reiterated and retold, but is constantly kind of collecting it. So there you've got your colorful bard that actually collects all of their stories within the clothes that they actually wear. You could actually use some of your spells to animate those from time to time, kind of drawing a little bit of inspiration from uh, Moana, the Disney movie. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's always talking to his tattoos and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be (laughs) pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So that's just a couple of really cool Reddit ideas. Uh, Definitely, if you're struggling to make a bard, search what other people have come up with on Reddit. There's some really creative... There's some great ideas, and I know that multiple times we've been referencing pop culture already. We've we've talked about characters, but there's way more where that came from. So if you want more inspiration from bards, just take little bits and pieces from characters like Jareth from Labyrinth, if you want to go that route, (laughs) really over the top. The ultimate bard. (laughs) Yeah. David Bowie. Or you could do, from Kung Fu Hustle, you've got those harpists. They were terrifying. Yeah, they were really cool. Mad Max, of course, had a bard in it. The newer one. The intense. The guitarist. (laughs) guitarist (laughs) Blowing fire. Yes, (laughs) that's that's a pretty intense bard. He set the mood, for sure. Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Totally. Yeah. The Rock. (laughs) And any professional wrestler. Any professional wrestler is really a bard. They're putting on a, a really entertaining show, and they're masters of it. Holy shit, feigning injury is totally a bardic performance. Yeah. Oh, oh you could work that in. That'd be a great little <laughs> twist on your combat. <laughs> Just going over the top with it. You've got Ferris Bueller, who's not a typical bard, but I was thinking about that movie, which is amazing, and he does all kinds of bardic stuff in there. Yeah, he gets the entire city of Chicago going on a parade float. Yeah. Who but a bard could do that? I'm pretty sure he did cast disguised self at a certain point to pick up his girlfriend from school. <laughs> That's totally true. Well, I think that just about does it, huh? Yeah, I'm going to stop talking about movies because I can do that forever. <laughs> we can go down this, this road for a long time. So thanks to Tabletop Audio for all of our sound effects and all of the sounds that you hear in between our show segments. Follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Discord. Our Discord is starting to get uh, a little bit more traction, or at least we're organizing it better. (laughs) We're putting it together better than we started. So thanks for putting up with that. Yeah, hop on there and give us some ideas. Uh, We tend to be on there when we're writing episodes and things like that. So uh, hop in there and, and make your voice heard. All the interaction that we're getting has meant so much to us and it's really cool to start becoming a bigger part of this community so we appreciate all of it we appreciate you checking out the podcast uh yeah whenever we hear that hey yeah i shared it with my bud uh that that makes us feel pretty damn good yeah so thanks for listening listening. and play play great great games. games